Welcome to 40 Minutes of Funk, a podcast dedicated to introducing you to the finest funk artists, musicians, and experts from yesterday to today and from all over the globe. I'm your host, Michael B., and together we'll also explore funk philosophies and perspectives and have a fun and funky time. Each episode features at least 40 minutes of interviews plus original recordings provided by our guests. Today's guest is a singer-songwriter who previously sang in indie band 79.5, recorded with L. Michael's Affair, and toured as a backing singer for Chicano Batman. Today, she's a founding member and one-third of Coal Mine Records' new soulful disco-delic band, Say She She. The female power trio's debut record drops later this summer and includes some production handiwork by Sergio Rios of Oregon. And based on what they've released so far, it's gonna be fun, funky, and powerful. As you'll hear, she's got a great sense of humor and is a total funketeer. Please help me give a great 40 minutes of funk welcome to Pia Malik. Welcome to the show, Pia. Thanks so much for joining me today. I've really been looking forward to talking with you again. Uh, Listeners, we tried this once before and had uh, some Wi-Fi issues, so this is our second attempt. But I feel like uh, the planets have aligned to make this happen today. So thanks thanks for coming back. (laughs) Thank you so much. And yes, definitely uh, wouldn't have expected Brooklyn to be so bad with the uh, with the Internet. Honestly, I think my family in India have better Internet service than we do in Brooklyn with the outages. So but yeah, Yeah. thanks for your patience and and bearing with us. (laughs) Absolutely. So is Brooklyn where you're dialing in from again today? That's right. I'm uh, calling you from from Bedstay. And uh, yep, I heart Brooklyn. I love it around here. There's a lot of culture and uh, just like beautiful old buildings too, and kind of like the quintessential New York brownstone you think of. But um, yeah, love it around here. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, you've had quite an interesting musical journey so far, uh, including stints with uh, L. Michael's Affair, 79.5, Chicano Batman, and your new band, Say She She. Uh, it sounds like you've had a fun and exciting trip so far, and I'd love to dive into each of these outfits a little bit uh, during the interview. Could we start off with some background information? When did you discover that you could sing, and uh, <laughs> how did you pursue singing full-time? <laughs> um, well, my this is a bit of a corny story, but my mom always says I just used to sing for my milk. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't really remember when it started, but it's just, uh, it was an instinct, I should say. Um, but yeah, I guess I started performing, you know, from the age of 11, was in the school choir. I went to an, a girls' school and it was like this amazing choir that the, the school had. It was just like an opportunity to mix with the older girls. And, and then I suddenly just fell in love with singing in harmony from that, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't come to actually do music full time professionally until, um, it, you know, I was in my my 20s, my late 20s, I sort of used to hang out at Ronnie Scott's um, back in the day. And my dad used to take me to Ronnie Scott's when I was little. He'd say, you want to mm. be a singer? You better get to Ronnie Scott's, honey. <laughs> so I guess I, as soon as I was of age and could get into the clubs, I was there listening. You know, we'd stay up till three in the morning. The late night jam there starts at midnight. 
and I would stay till three in the morning just waiting for someone to let me sit in for one song and you would you'd have to pay your dues they'd make you wait till right at the end yeah <laughs> and eventually you get to know everybody they're like who's this random Indian girl coming every week <laughs> <laughs> and um and then one day my friend Emrys Baird who is just a phenomenal musician taught me so much this is a real mentor to me and another another mentor Robin Banerjee who you know also was this Indian guy in the jazz scene in London and there's just not that many Indian people doing music. I think that's kind of cultural parents are like, no, you must be a doctor, a dentist, or a lawyer, not a musician. <laughs> but he sort of took me under his wing and then eventually I persuaded them to let me sing a song and sit in. And, and then the rest was history, really. Robin said, okay, you've got something. You know, you've got a voice, but you don't know shit about how to count the band in and you don't know how to write charts and you don't know how to pay your musicians and get a band together, but I'm going to teach you. And, um, you know, he was he was great. He's an amazing guitar player and went on to, to play with Amy Winehouse and, mm. and, and amongst other projects of his own. And, uh, yeah, he said to me, I'll take you to 15 gigs, but if you say no to one of them, that's it, I'm not working with you. Wow. I said, 15 gigs, I'm going to call you, and sometimes I'm going to call you last minute, and you better say yes. And by the end of those 15 gigs, you're going to be ready to play out. And I just wanted the education. So I was like, okay. So sometimes it would be like, you know, some crappy little restaurant where we just get like dinner as our mm-hmm. pay. <laughs> and there'd be like six people in the restaurant who really could not be bothered to have live music in their ear. <laughs> <laughs> and then other times it was the Bosdale Club, you know, and it was like amazing. And you've got like Jules Holland, who's the patron there, potentially coming through and all that stuff. And it's all, all very exciting for me and and get and getting paid you know just I remember getting that first 50 quid for singing at Bosdale Club for just one song but the band you know were really sweet and generous in those days they just they you know that was a lot of money for us yeah <laughs> and I just that feeling was so great and I just thought yeah I I would love to just be up performing on stage and and being in a band and, and loving that sense of community and like the surrogate family really isn't it and I knew then that I wanted to pursue music, but yeah, I was sort of working in politics for a long time, campaigning, advocacy, and mm. speech writing in Parliament for the leader of the Green Party. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the completely different worlds, but going to Ronnie Scott's at night after Parliament, like you stay for the late night votes till 9 p.m. And Ronnie's isn't far from Westminster. So I just like kill time till midnight and that's it, stay at the late night jam. and. You know, you can do that stuff when you're in your 20s, can't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, do you play any musical instruments? I do, yeah. I play the, both badly, but I play the keys and I play the clarinet, but not in public. and <laughs> definitely not the clarinet <laughs> anymore at all. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I did. I took lessons for years and, and did all the grades and all that stuff. But, but the keys is really helpful still to write music. And I, yeah. you know, I would never insult my band by having me play keys. Because yeah. <laughs> there's just so many other great musicians uh, that could do a far better job than me. But it is helpful when you're trying to work out chords and songs and yeah. harmonies and things. So, yeah, still, still bring out the keyboard sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, how long have you been writing songs? <laughs> oh, well, you know, you know, you write your first song at like seven years old when you're like upset about something. And so <laughs> mine was like, mine was definitely about my brother annoying me my first song <laughs> and then can you remember the lyrics to it the words to it actually the first finished song was it was really pretentious I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, and it's called suburbia and it was just like too grown up we didn't know what we were talking about but it goes like 
This is a portrait of suburban life. It'll haunt you till the day you die. Money, sex, no time for anyone but yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> I'm so glad that you did. Absolutely not. My brother will love that. That was our joint song, and we still sing it at Christmas because my two sisters insist that we do that every Christmas because oh it takes gosh. everyone right back there. <laughs> That's fantastic. That was, yeah, silly. But yeah, no, I, I guess like the, the best education I had in, in like songwriting and and music was when I first came to New York. Um, I joined a band with Sal P from Liquid Liquid, mm. who I don't know if you know Liquid Liquid, but they yeah. are just like he is one of the most iconic, cool downtown, quintessential New York punks. Like he's awesome, and he's my best friend. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I never thought I. There's a few decades between us. Not to give away his age or mine, but um, right. I, it's just amazing to think, like you know, obviously he's a man, I'm a woman, and we have this age gap between us. But there is just so much love, and so, and I've learned so much from him that I never feel that age difference at all, um, except for all the amazing stories he has of that era. But he had an improv band, or he still does, called One Seven Eight Product. Mm-hmm. And in those days, it was like a much bigger collective of musicians from all around New York that would come down and hang out in the basement of um, Max Fish, where he had this rehearsal space originally, um, you know, in the Lower East Side. And then later on, he moved to another location also in the Lower East Side. And people would come through and there would be like sometimes 15 of us, sometimes even 20 just hmm. incredible musicians from all different backgrounds and walks of life and ages, you know, 20 somethings and 65 year olds and everybody's playing music together. And it was basically a post-punk funk band. Hmm. And he taught me, and there was two singers and I was one of them. And he taught me how to really wait till the band finds a groove and it was totally improv. And so you're learning to listen and communicate and you're waiting for the space, you're creating space and you're laying back and then you're stepping in, stepping up. And he taught me how to use the voice as an instrument. And, and honestly, I feel like the way that I write songs now is very, very communal. I always, of course, you write songs on your own, but the best songs for me are the ones where you're in a communal energy and you're feeding off of each other and everybody's kind of coming together and contributing. And it's just like just this democracy of ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's still the way that I love to write songs. And, and for Say She, She, That's How Forget Me Not was written. Mm. Yeah, you have an, a reference, an idea from that. Like um, it was the flower duet from Lacme from the, I used to sing in the choir with my best friend, Laura. Um, it's like, I don't know if you know that the flower duet from Lacme, but um, uh-uh, tell me you, if you hear it, you probably recognize it, but Rive en Fleur and there's a, there's a run and we just kind of reversed it. And then the girls are like singing this beautiful mezzo and soprano harmony line that like, mm-hmm. like a trickle down a waterfall effect, I always call it. And yeah. I mean, their voices just saw Naya and Sabrina are just so talented. I love it. I, I used to be much greater soprano and lost my voice over the years. <laughs> so I stick <laughs> with the alto lines, but those girls, you can hear the melodies still, even if you can't reach that, but they can still get up there. And it's just like an extension of, of my body and they feel the same way we, we all feel like we're an extension of each other sometimes hopefully yeah and um because everyone has a different range and like you know you wouldn't think they would have the problem sometimes you know, they don't necessarily want to sing the same alto lines because they're like that's not my zone you know that's right. your zone you do this line and we swap in and out and it's just so fabulous to be able to do that 
but yeah, Sal. Sal was the real reason that I started songwriting and probably why I moved confidently into being able to make music and to record in New York and not be intimidated. And I think the first recording session we did was at Redfall Music Studio. Can you imagine mm. like your first recording session, like apart from on my brother's dat machine when we were growing up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his, his little dat machine that we'd spend hours trying to figure out how to use. <laughs> I never did quite well, but he did. We, you know, was at Red Bull Music Studio and we had this amazing producer, Chris Tebron, and he just like took it away really for us. And and Felice Rossa, who's an incredible musician, she's just like this insane bassist and a beautiful, sultry voice. Um, she was playing with me and we were just like, everything was improv and feeding off each other. And yeah, that was that was the education of songwriting on the spot. Yeah, that sounds like quite the education. I mean getting to just learn how to improv like that and being able to gig and jump in. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of musicians don't pay their dues in those ways. They, you know, they go, they get the degree, they get the vocal, you know, training and all of that. <laughs> and then there's some like you who just plunge right in. That's exciting to hear about. But, you know, it's like, you could think of it as plunging right in, but I was so desperate to do music my whole life. And honestly, my parents, you know, they're immigrants and they're not going to take the risk to like, they're not, even though we come from a musical family, you know, my, my dad's uncle was a great music producer in the 50s in, in India and very well respected in Bollywood and worked with some of the greatest playback singers, Lata Mangesha, Mangeshka and her sister Asha Bosle and, you know, Mukesh and the list goes on really, Hari Haran. But they still feared, you know, they moved to America and then later to England where I grew up and they did, they wanted us to be stable and they, mm -hmm. they feared if we were to do music. And my brother's an incredible musician. I mean, he mm. taught me everything from such a young age and he's an incredible pianist and songwriter. And, you know, he, he went on to do journalism for years and we both had this ache in us always that all we really wanted to do was music. So it wasn't yeah. plunging in. It was something that took me years to have the courage to like finally dive in and do it. And it was because I had like, you know, kind of done the path that had, the family would approve of and gone into politics and got the stable job and all that stuff and proved yeah. to them, okay, I can do that, but I'm still not happy. I've got, I've got to just try and follow, follow this urge to create something that I feel like outlives anything else I would ever do. And some of the, bills that you're working in in parliament you know there's a change of government and everything gets undone and it was just like I just felt the need to you try to use my voice in a different way and still want to write political songs or mm. not just political songs but but songs that just are for beauty's sake because you know we can be beauticians and remind people of all the goodness in the world and that's also just as important as politics oh absolutely well, in a minute, I'd like to talk about how you connected with L. Michael's affair. Uh, but first, I'd like to hear a track that you provided for that project. Um, in 2018, you recorded two songs with L. Michael's affair, then another single in 2020. Those tracks would go on to be included in their 2021 full-length album, Yeti Season. And you described to me the project as Turkish and Bollywood funk inspired with Hindi lyrics. <laughs> Before we get into the track, can you describe to me what, what is Bollywood funk? What does Bollywood funk <laughs> sound like? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is like 
such a place where I grew up listening to some of the some of the funk stuff came from that. My dad playing like these old Bollywood records, and and they're from they're movie soundtracks. You know, everything mm-hmm. in 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 India is like through the Bollywood scene is is mo- our movie soundtracks. And in a way, I guess that like just thinking about it now, I guess that's what Leon and El Michael's affair are so amazing at this creating this cinematic music and mm-hmm. um and I suppose I just fell in love with that stuff from that connection now thinking about it on the spot but um yeah like you know things like uh, there's one track Jan Pehechan her if you don't know it you should definitely put that on and there's like a lot of old Bollywood movies like um Bombay Royale is one and there's um just trying to think who sings Jan Pehechan her I'm not sure if it's Asha Bosle or if it's another singer, but yeah, Jan Pehechanho is awesome. Dam Marodam, that's a Lata one, Lata Mangeshka. You know, there's a, a beautiful movie I love, and I've like got quite a lot of these old Bollywood records sitting at home. Um, like Jewel Thief is a great movie and super funky. That soundtrack is like <laughs> insane. It has like Lata Mangeshka, Mohammed Rafi, Kishore Kumar. But um, yeah, it's like, this is the thing about funk, right? Everybody loves funk in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you do you know anybody that is like all of the cultures, you know, whether it's the the Brits who like ran with it and made post-punk funk and or, you know, like the Japanese, they love funk. Or like even the Germans love funk. They made crap exactly. out of it, which you could say came from funk. It's just like amazing. And for me, I definitely love this like cross-pollination of cultures. That I think, like mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. psychedelic funk lives that and bodies that. Yeah. And I, I was like talking about this with someone, like, oh, what's the difference between psychedelic funk and then funky psychedelia? And like, where do you draw the line? And mm. like, I think it always comes down to like this groove, and you know that like the groove is the first thing, and like, like fucking zero chord changes and yeah. or like one chord change, but then like you have like with with this kind of cross-pollination of cultures I'm talking about, which is Bollywood funk, but also Turkish funk, you have like this first layer, which is the groove and the funk, mm-hmm. <laughs> the groove and the bedrock. And, you know, the like not too much chordal movement. And then the secondary layer is like, it's, it's like folk music, mm. you know? And when you marry those two, to me, that's my, where, where it screams of like joy for me and where I love to sit, like, Selda, for example, Selda is like one of the biggest influences musically and just her lyrics, you know, the politics, just she's like my icon. I absolutely adore her. And it's cool because it's like, oh, guess what? Like everybody loves the wah pedal. Yeah. <laughs> the whole world were just like, hey, the wah pedal. They heard it and they were like, I need this shit in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like basically when you listen to Turkish funk, you're like, that's so cool. And they're singing folk songs, but like it's over this fucking wild pedal, awesome shit going down in, in the groove. And like, that's what makes it so funky. And, uh, yeah. And it's like Barris Manka. And like, I've been listening a lot to Cameron Akur recently. I'll never stop. <laughs> <laughs> and like her sister Gunnel, I don't know, just like, yeah, love all that stuff. And it, it flows so easily for me into that Bollywood funk arena, you know, yeah. that you can just, like, obviously Hindi is not, it's my third language. You know, I, I, I speak, it's actually my fourth language, sorry. I speak 
better French and Spanish and lived in those countries than I do Hindi, but I'm still Indian and it's still a language I grew up with. And I, I, sometimes people pick on me for my accent and it's like strange to me because the Hindi is still correct, mm -hmm. but because I have a British accent, they can hear, they, they, they really don't like it in India. They're like, no, this is terrible. Like your accent is bad. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's, it's interesting because I'm like, oh, it's because there's no second generation crew of people singing in Hindi and they're not used to a person with a different accent speaking Hindi. Um, you mm -hmm. know, when, if we hear François Hardy or we hear, um, I don't know, Serge Gansbog singing in English with his heavy French accent, we appreciate it. We can hear that he's French, but he's still speaking English and it's okay, you know, or, or yeah. whatever. But somehow that is not allowed for, <laughs> or it's just not like accepted yet. But I, I hope we can make some moves and change that because I think it'd be cool yeah. if more young Indian artists were singing in Hindi. And yeah, people like Ravina Aurora, I think she does have more now to, to her heritage. And she's also Punjabi like me. But um, yeah, I've yet to hear her sing in Hindi. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear your track. It, um, I'm probably going to mispronounce it. Is it Merkit Jim? No, that's perfect. You didn't mispronounce Merkit it. Jim? That's the one, yeah. It's the track I've picked, and it's um, El Michael's Affair, Merkit Jim, and I was so lucky to get a feature on it. Um, I love singing with that band. They are the greatest band in the world, and Neon is, to me, one of the best producers in the world, and he's just got the coolest, most laid-back style ever in the studio, and yeah. you just be like, eh, do it again, or no, that's good. Yeah. No, that's not good. And sometimes you're like, wait, I want to do it again. He's like, no, it's fine. That's good. <laughs> nice. And it's just everything's just done in this really live and organic way. And, you know, it's all about the feel. And, and yeah, Market Gem, I think, has got such a cool groove. Would you mind translating some of the lyrics for us before we listen? So, yeah, Market Gem is about the pull and push of two lovers and definitely has a lot of that influence from Bollywood playback singing mm -hmm. you know where there's always a love story at the center of it and it's drawn out over three hours so you can imagine there's a lot of pull and push between them <laughs> and yeah it's about the two lovers like in this kind of storm of their love and so I'm using a lot of um you know imagery from a storm brewing and the wind and and all the elements around them but um the 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 chorus is about our faith is stronger than swords. Hmm. That's how I say, and that just basically means like, you know, my conviction in our belief is like so much sharper than, you know, swords can be. And that's the strongest and the most cutting thing that can cut through is, um, you know, my passion and my, my conviction for you. And, and then there's like the, the little playful elements. I've used like, again, lots of water imagery and, and nature imagery. So it's sort of like, that's like like water will always find its own level and my shadow will always follow you you know I will sort of be there and with you in spirit and you know I can see that in your eyes you understand that you'll have strength from me without any effort and it was I was trying to sort of convey this idea that like the power of water it's so great because it requires no effort. It just kind of fills in these spaces. And so, yeah, that's, that's a little summary for you of Market Gem. <laughs> it's dramatic <Yeah>. and cinematic <laughs> and, yeah. and about the pull and push of love. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for explaining that for us. Let's give it a listen here. Here's Market Gem by L. Michael's Affair featuring Pia Malik. Mm -hmm. 
with singer-songwriter Pia Malik. And Pia, we just heard uh, one of the tracks that you recorded with L. Michaels Affair. How did you meet band leader Leon Michaels? Well, um, I was in another project before and that band was on his label. And um, in one of the mm. songs on that record that we were making with him, uh, there was a little Hindi riff. And when I started singing in Hindi, he kind of heard something and just like sort of like wait do that again and okay he had an idea in his head and it was just amazing for me because we both have this like deep love of of like Turkish funk and you know he loves Bollywood records too I mean, he, he's just a maverick he has such an amazing record knowledge and collection and really can dip his toe into anything I can't imagine him not being able to master any type of music in a way hmm. and he just has such a keen ear and, and, and interest for that and um so I think this is something that a project that he had been growing for a while and you know he had some amazing tracks and he thought I could try my hand at maybe writing some lyrics and top line melodies and although it's like he gives you the melodies he doesn't really you know I <laughs> will say he, he really like mm -hmm. he just kind of gives you it because it's there in his music and 
um, I always feel like it's just like the easiest songwriting. I didn't really have to do much <laughs> because he's done all the work. <laughs> so I can't really take credit for a lot of like the things that come out, you know, that, that like I said, he really is just a maverick when it comes to that. And it was just a dream project, you know, all my life I've, having grown up with my, my uncle Jedev, just being so influenced by playback singing and kind of always wanted to do a playback singing style project. So mm. this ended up definitely just manifesting without me like seeking to make that my fundamental thing. And, you know, that band that mm. was said with label is like much more kind of soul, soul and R&B focused. So yeah, it was really special moment when he kind of heard something and, and it sparked an interest and yeah, a bit of a dream come true really. <laughs> yeah. Well, in 2018, uh, you recorded an album called Predictions with the band 79.5. The album is on Big Crown Records, and it has this great combination of like indie band and soul. How did the band 79.5 come together? Um, So that's Kate Madison's project. And um, yeah, she started the band in, I think, 2010. And I joined in 2015. 2014 or 15 something like that <laughs> mm-hmm. and um yeah was you know really good friends with Naya for you know before that I met Kate through my friend Benny who has a record shop down in Red Hook little plug hmm. <laughs> if you live in Brooklyn or you don't or you're coming through and visiting go and see the record shop down on uh, Van Brunt Street 360 Van Brunt can't forget that it's perfect circle just like a record <laughs> nice. <laughs> sorry for my cheeky plug um but yeah met her through Benny and a couple of the other bandmates all lived down in Red Herc and um, you know I knew she was looking for a singer and so went to a rehearsal and just thought I've always loved three-part harmonies and I think Kate was always doing um, sort of singing with another singer uh, just the two of them before and I was like we should call my friend Naya and see if we can bring Naya down and do some harmonies and it just kind of sparked from there and so that was the the band that was on the label with with Leon and yeah what a wonderful way to meet everybody really and mm. yeah we've also performed and traveled with Chicano Batman uh how did you team up with them through Leon again all roads lead to back to Leon it seems all right <laughs> so well, that's he good. had produced their record um actually the last two records now um but yeah that one um Freedom is Free and it was just such a great inspiring record to me and I was just so excited when he said hey would you guys want to you know maybe do um at the opening slot for their show Barry Forum and then after that went really well we just, they invited us on tour and I remember getting that call and speaking to um Carlos who is one of the four boys in the band and just mm. loving it like he's he's the guitar player just being so excited because that was going to be my first proper tour and how luxurious that my first proper tour was like sold out shows across America. I can't say that many people right. could be that lucky and felt kind of guilty that I hadn't been like on the road as much as everyone had for years. And, but um, but it was incredible. And, you know, we didn't have much money and limited resources, but we did double duty and we had this idea that backing sing for them as well and got on the road and it was fantastic. You know, we made it work and, and yeah, I, I love those boys. And um, I left 79.5 and carried on touring with the guys 
for um, another couple of years actually after that which was great they they like my brothers and um we have so much in common in in lots of ways being these kind of you know second generation brown immigrants and I feel like Mexican culture and Indian culture has so much similarity really yeah actually I once got wind of this Harvard study I think some professor from Harvard had mapped out all different cultures from across the world and like grouped them in terms of closeness. So you could see like on the map, like all of the Scandinavians were grouped together here and the French and Italians were really close to each other here. And But the two that were mm. like the closest cultures that I could see on the mapping were and Mexico and India right next to each other. Right? Wow. So yeah, we, I was after like, you need the same food. <laughs> I love rice and beans and like chapatis are kind of like tortillas, right? <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but we, I would laugh because the boys tell funny stories about like their mums and like you know even even Eduardo, his mum's a social worker, and so is mine. And we'd laugh because we'd be like, "You guys are social workers, but you were kind of like kind of like hard on us, <laughs> you know, when we were kids." And it's just cultural, isn't it? And we just, yeah, we would laugh. The stories they would tell about their families, I, I was just like, yeah, that could just be a story about my family. No, no differences, and they're also great. I love. All of their parents as well got really close to um, Carlos and, and Eduardo's moms in particular. They're just so great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like you just sort of feel the familyness. Yeah. And I love touring with them. It was fantastic. And then we went on to do a tour with Crumbin, who are our dear friends. And it's just so amazing watching them blow up. They also have like a massive deep love of Turkish and um, psychedelic funk. And they love all the records like tight and tie funk heavily influenced mm, by Thai funk, funk. Too, so it was really fun those days we you, you know we'd go on tour and you know you just land in some spot and we'd all be like racing to the record shop <laughs> going back <laughs> with our picks at the end getting on the bus and being like hey guys what did you get what are the goodies <laughs> oh man that sounds so much <laughs> and we'd fun just like have a little record player on the bus and just be like listening and sharing and yeah it's just wonderful and such a great way to see America getting to yeah. tour with them. Yeah. And they're so supportive, you know, they've all, I, we song written with Barlow as well for Say She She. Mm. And he's been, he's been really great and like full of energy in the songwriting sessions. And um, yeah, even Gabba played drums on one of them. And, wow. you know, we would always love to work with those guys and so honored and grateful to have had that education on the road with them. Yeah. Also, the nicest dudes in the world to tour with. <laughs> I can't say <play> that <laughs> anyone would like, you know, I'm sure touring with a bunch of men wouldn't be that ideal if it wasn't those guys, but they're so amazing, all yeah. of them. They really are just like brothers. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> so who would you say are your biggest funk influences? Yeah, so it's such a like, yeah, obviously, you know, everybody probably sort of says like, if you don't listen to James Brown, then F you, you know, <laughs> and like the meters and like, you know, Sissy Strutt and all that stuff. You, of course, Sly and Fabi so yeah, love all of that stuff. But yeah. again, like kind of coming back to what I'd say, said before, I started from the jazz world, hanging out at Ronnie Scott's and so like Herbie Hancock and Miles Davis and like the Headhunters, all of that stuff was mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay, you know, hang on, because jazz had always been this thing where I felt like I was listening to these great, amazing musicians kind of in awe. And then like 
slowly but surely you realize like with funk as it evolved it becomes this different thing where you're like the barrier between the audience and the stage is like effaced or something Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and suddenly it's like this collective effort and I feel that way still today that like I think that's like even the origins of like the etymology behind the word funk right is like a smell or like stank or whatever put some stank on it yeah absolutely is one of the the, like sweat and like the exertion yeah that it takes for the body to deliver and I think that in that way funk has like transcended what jazz was for me in my heart like Mm. you know it's like like I said like the barriers are broken down and it's more participative and more collective spirit Mm -hmm. more of a collective spirit and an effort because you're literally like we talked about like these like zero chord changes or whatever and everything is like being delivered through these top lines or these melody lines or the presentation of it Mm -hmm. even if the vocal doesn't move so much but it's like the energy that has to come out that physical energy and exertion that you hear in so many of those incredible artists that I, I mentioned and and then like also like it's such a segue isn't it like funk is such a precursor to so many other amazing genres like we talked about yeah like, yeah everything from all the way to bloody kraut rock like we said and and i do think like for me i will never stop loving where for me like the that kind of cultural growth happens where it's like folks singing meets funk mm-hmm. and so yeah in some ways i could say like my favorite funk artist is Zelda. Mm-hmm. you know <laughs> Can you say it? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> say whatever you want. Would you say then that that's that's a funk philosophy that you that you prescribe to? Is that that sort of melding of funk and folk and that that barrier, you know, being removed, or or is there oh, something? Absolutely, yeah. Like that, the difference between uh, uh, watching artists like as a showcase, mm-hmm. and then with funk, it's just like a completely different transcendent experience yeah you know and so i think that and like yeah without a doubt that feels like just this more collective spirit in 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 the music and in its delivery yeah i like that a lot (laughs) do you have a favorite uh go-to funk record when you need to get your funk on i mean i absolutely love like i love sissy strut Mm. and that whole record it's such a great record like the meters absolutely love and i was also listening to leo uh, what's his name the guitar player leo nonsatelli mm-hmm. and yeah uh, did you know about this record he just put out on light in the attic last you know year? my buddy jeff cole is a huge guitar head and he is a huge funk fan and a huge meters fan in fact he just bought right. he just bought leo's uh wa- custom wah pedal that's purple no and it's got the the same the the yeah it's got the the new orleans uh design so yeah jeff is always telling me about it and he'll hear me say his name on this and so that that's a little uh plug for jeff but no i've not heard the new album i know jeff has because he's told me about it but please please continue what you're gonna say well so like i just think it's so amazing apparently it was like mark Mashita, who's money mark from the bc boys brother Mm. and um he found these tapes that i guess um leo had recorded at cosmonauts 
metastasis. I never had to say that properly. Metastasis. <laughs> <laughs> um, studio, is like Jazz City Studio in, in um, New Orleans in the 70s and basically thought that everything was lost. The tapes were lost um, after Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the meters blew up. So he, he kind of just like left that on the back burner and never got put out all the solo stuff that he'd recorded. Yeah. And like, you listen to the record, you're like, oh, this is not like the funk that you expect from the meters, but it is so like this Western funk. I think he even calls it like folk Western funk. And it was actually inspired by James Taylor, apparently. Wow. <laughs> but I just love, I loved that whole story that like there could be these lost tapes and Light in the Attic is so good at finding things like that and reissuing them. Like, And the idea that this record that could have been lost for so many years is just out now and has this like, still this really like cool, <laughs> amazing funk artist who's like segued into this other like Western funk or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, I still always come back to this thing, like you said about the, the growth and like, Punk just being the bedrock and the precursor to so many other genres. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to check out your next song, uh, Zaharila, which I'm probably also mispronouncing. Uh, but it 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 also comes. <laughs> okay. Well, it also comes from your project with uh, L. Michael's affair. It starts off slow and soulful, but it builds up to this powerhouse tune, almost like a ballad. Uh, in which you end up singing out like really passionately. How did this particular song come together? And as before, would you mind translating some of the lyrics for us? Yeah, of course. So actually, that was the first song we recorded. Okay. And um, it came out like an exorcism. (laughs) (laughs) And it was about like poisonous whispers, like destroying a love affair, Mm. you know, and it's very dramatic and, What's so great about Leon is he really lets you just go for it and do your thing. And he's so like encouraging and steady. So for me, that was like, I really needed to get something out and it had been brewing in this desire to sing in Hindi for so long. And it just kind of came out yeah. <laughs> so big and powerful. And we were really lucky actually that it got a sync for The Outsider. I don't know if you've seen that HBO show. Oh, wow. Um, and I thought it was like the perfect sync because it was really about like, I don't know if you know who El Cuco is, Mm-mm. but, you know, it's this mythological folkloric boogeyman, basically. Oh, okay. That's like a lot of people in in um, Latin culture will talk about like, like being scared of El Cuco when they were little. Okay. <laughs> and they named the cat, they named the kind of boogeyman in, in the show series El Cuco too. So um, it's the moment when El Cuco comes and emerges and like ravages everything. And I <laughs> thought it was like the perfect thing for my screaming <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> and yeah it, like I said it just kind of came out like an exorcism and I was just I'm eternally grateful always to be able to just have these like frantic moments in the studio and then pull them back into a, a kind of sweet melody and um and so yeah the song starts with like meheki meheki like soft sweetly aroma and then it's like towards the end dramatic it's like me like screaming out like who is your god you know what is your truth yes wow (laughs) tell us what your truth is (laughs) and it's a plea for for honesty and for the poisonous whispers to stop wow that's really cool (laughs) well let's hear it here's zaharila by l michael's affair featuring pia malik Yeah. 
Hey friends, this is Michael B. with exciting opportunities for you to join the ranks of 40 Minutes of Funk. This podcast is designed to create a global network of funk musicians and fans like you who enjoy funk music. And there's lots of ways you can help be a part of its success. First, please subscribe, rate, and leave feedback about the show wherever you listen. It helps make the podcast easier to find for future listeners. Next, like, follow, share, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter posts at 40 Minutes of Funk. If you enjoy listening, please consider making a one-time or monthly gift. Visit buymeacoffee.com to make a one-time gift of any dollar amount or as often as you like, or patreon.com to set up monthly support starting at as little as $5 a month and receive all kinds of exclusive bonus content. Every dollar amount is greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. Well, we're back with my special guest, Pia Malik. Uh, Pia, your various touring ensembles have taken you all over the world. Uh, can you share any favorite moments from the road or studio uh, with any of the outfits that we've discussed so far that you haven't already shared? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's so many amazing moments. And, you know, it's great because um, I've never really toured with my own project. I've got to be a backing singer with kind of Batman and you know, a band member of other bands, mm-hmm. but not like been the band leader running things in in the way that like I hope will happen with Say She She with with my co-band leaders, mm-hmm. Serena and and Naya. And um yeah, we just so so that means that you kind of like are slightly like way more relaxed than you normally would be on tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've had some really nice green rooms <laughs> that, you know, I think would take a lot of people lots of years of graft to get there <laughs> and I just got to kind of slide in as a packing singer with you kind of Batman just some amazing green rooms and I think my favorite one this is the tour with Corumbin um is at the Van Buren in Arizona and Phoenix and I think it was like right at the end of the tour and we were so exhausted but like full of love and hearts open and warm and wonderful like com- camaraderie between the whole two crews um, and then we just like weren't expecting it at all. You know, when it's a surprise and no one had told you, like, of course, when you go and play the Fillmore, you know, you're playing at the Fillmore and you kind of expect the green room to be this amazing thing. And then you're like, oh, okay, it's a little room. <laughs> <laughs> and then another venue, this venue wasn't as, as well known to me at least, um, but what a fantastic, fantastic place. We walked in and there's like, a hugest kitchen fully stocked and all I wanted to do was make lunch for everyone and this awesome garden and you could just like a library room and laundry everywhere and wow. <laughs> everyone had their own washing machine and bathroom and <laughs> it was just like we just landed in like paradise yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah we all sat around and we got some great pictures from, the, from that <laughs> day and I think actually I remember Laura Lee saying that's still her favorite green room too from from Crumbin. Uh, yeah, we've yet to beat it, but um, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> well, who's on your bucket list to collaborate with in the future? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Well, I would love to do something to work with Inflow. I think Say She She would just, he would be able to do some really cool stuff with our voices. And mm-hmm. we would absolutely love that. Um, and then we always had this dream of one day going and working with Sly and Robbie and um out in in Kingston and and making a record with them and that was like we we got close to it someone was trying to set it up a few years ago and then it never quite happened 
and then we would just love to keep working with the people that we work with honestly like yeah. i know that sounds really cheesy but we are so lucky that we have these incredible this incredible community of musicians around us and victor axelrod is a, a amazing keys player and he played on prism we'd love to work more with him of course like yeah joey cristiano also great guitar player i love binky grip type love yeah. to work with him more he's a good friend of ours and we did a little backing vocal for him for one of his songs, but we've yet to get him to play with Russ or, or co-write with him. And that, that would be a dream for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, I love Sergio Rios from Organis producing our next record and he produced um, Forget Me Not. Yeah. So we're really excited to go out and hang out with all of those guys. And they are so funky and so cool. And yeah, just really excited to be out in LA in, in March and, and keep working with just the, the wonderful people we've had the opportunity to do. And I think that sometimes it's like, it's not about the new next thing. It's just about like sitting more with what you have and allowing that to flourish and grow. And um, we're just so lucky that we got hooked up with them through um, Terry at, at Coal Mine. Mm. You know, they've been an amazing supportive label. And um, I think he's known Sergio for years and, he said it to me he was like he's just a musical genius yeah <laughs> and um and i was just like oh yeah sure whatever but then of course like i'm like oh shit yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> and um and it's just really fun isn't it to, to to like meet these people that you've been listening to their music and their records and then you get in the room you're like oh and you're really cool and you're really fun and you're really nice and this is a nice vibe and a hang and yeah i would choose you as a friend if we weren't like because it can be weird if people are like setting you up on a writing date or something, you know, you're like, Oh, am I going to vibe with these people or not? Right. <laughs> but, um, and then you get in the room, you're like, Oh, this is awesome. And we just actually just been working with these guys down at hive mind, which is a great studio, not a little cheeky plug. Definitely. Um, if you can try to get in that studio, it's small, but sweet and perfectly formed. And, um, what, uh, there's two guys, well, there's three guys that own it, Billy Ostick, um, and uh, Mike Buckley and um, Vince Cairito. And yeah, they're great. Vince just produced a, um, a record for us. It's a little cover that should be coming out soon on, on Numero, which is going to be awesome. And yeah, I would love to work with them more. And there's an, a Benny Troken, who's on Daptone. Mm. He's an incredible writer. I love his music, um, super rock and roll. So I'd love to work more with him. And yeah, I'm lucky like, these are all people that are kind of in our ether and we're just starting now to be able to carve out time and, and make space to be able to co-write with, with people like that. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up say she, she, because that's, this is the direction I want to go pretty much for the rest of the interview, because I am really excited about this band. Um, for anybody who doesn't know, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So say she, she is a female led vocal trio on the coal mine records label. You have released one single so far. And I have to say that right out the gate that when I heard this song, uh, which we're going to hear in just a minute, I was blown away. Uh, it was like you had time traveled from the late 1970s with this fantastic disco funk sound being resurrected and revamped in your own way. So how would you describe the sound of Say She She? Oh, thank you so much. That's so sweet. I love your words. I'm like blushing over here. <laughs> As us brown girls do, we go maroon, you know, <laughs> you can't see it. <laughs> thank goodness for that. <laughs> 
But yeah, no, um, I actually like, I don't know if I coined this term. I think there's actually like a label in Mexico that, that's called it. But um, we like to call it discodelic. Okay. <laughs> and it has like elements of psychedelia in some of our songs. And But then, you know, as it's like four on the floor and disco groove, uh, current through a lot of our songs. And um, and we started really all soulful discodelic because we really started writing a lot of soul stuff and our album Prism, you know, is is really kind of the first record that we wrote. And, you know, there's always a delay with everything that's happening with pressing plants. So some of those songs we wrote, you know, a few years back and we were just so lucky that the label was super supportive of us mm-hmm. putting some of the newer stuff that's the fresher sound that feels more like who we are today and what we're writing now um, forward, you know, ahead of, ahead of the LP release. Um, so yeah, our single "Forget Me Not" and will be followed up, and it will be on a, on a forty-five with our second single, "Blow My Mind," which will mm. be out on the twenty-second of March. All right. So yeah, we're pretty excited about that one too, and and yeah, I would call it soulful discadelic, and it's just all the harmonies. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much fun singing and like with your basically your two. I get to sing with my two best mates in harmony. Yeah, and and we just on so well there's no fighting it's just all love and laughter and you know sometimes we're like wait what about this what about that and we're really good at vocal producing each other and listening to each other and taking the feedback and the criticism and it's all constructive and it's just growth you know yeah and I love that I love just being able to talk about anything openly and like you know working out songs together and everybody's got a really different strength mm-hmm. You know, everybody's coming from completely different strengths. So it's it's great. We're never like trying to step on each other's toes because we all have our different areas that we love to do. And mm-hmm. I love that, you know, and it's just so fun. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that comes across in our music. I hope you can hear like, the love <laughs> and the camaraderie. That's kind of corny, but it, I do. I think there's something to be said for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, where does the band name Say She She come from? It's sort of like a, a bilingual homophone. So I think I mentioned, but um, I, I lived a lot in France and Spain and I did my two degrees in, in France and spent a lot of time out there. And my parents and my family had a ties to a French bistro growing up. So um, there was always like a lot of francophone and mm. we're all kind of like francophiles. <laughs> and so, yeah, si, she, she is like in French, si, she, she, it means it's chic and it's a little hat tip to Nile Rogers is chic and uh yeah <laughs> that era and just the, like honestly even if you don't like Nile Rogers music you've got to fucking respect the dude he <laughs> has had the most insane life and he's just so cool and he's such a prolific writer yeah. and I love that like he could write for so many different people and so yeah that's where the the name came from <laughs> and my friend and my friend Marco as well he helped he was like hmm when I was going through some band names with him and we were like running past our different ideas and he was like, uh, have you realized that you should have Googled this one name that we were set on? <laughs> <laughs> and so it evolved and I was just like, oh yeah, I should have done that. <laughs> That's really embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> what, what name was it? What was the one that you didn't go with? <laughs> well, honestly, it started as Shishi. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is not that original. And then, of course, when we were like, actually, she-she-she, and, you know, because we were like chic-chic or she-she, it was still like the same kind of background of hat tip to now. But then we realized that say was like sis. And so it worked better. And he was just like, yeah, that's way better. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, done, kind of dusted. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I was reading about how you and fellow bandmate Sabrina Maleo Cunningham met. Uh, it sounds like a fantastic story. Would you mind sharing the story <laughs> of how you two met and how the rest of Say She She came together? Yeah, of course. Um, Sav and I lived upstairs and downstairs from each other in, in an old um, tenement building in the Lower East Side on Orchard Street above uh, this really cool jewelry store that's like rock and roll jewelry called The Great Frog. Mm. And um, next door to the cast, and a really good friend of ours has this awesome shop. Again, cheeky little plug. If you're in New York, you should go down and buy your leather and your cool T-shirts from the cast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, we lived upstairs in in kind of a crumbling building, and we would hear each other singing through the rafters. So we both knew she's definitely a singer, and she would hear me from up. And then one day, we were just like bumped into each other on the staircase and realized we had a bunch of mutual friends as like, Everyone in New York seems to know each other in, in the music scene, I guess. And we were like, let's try some writing together. And <laughs> it just started as really fun and like, you know, more of a way to like hang out, have a glass of wine and uh, maybe a little smoke <laughs> 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 and uh, just get, feel all the feels and get a little high on life and music and talking about bad boyfriends and breakups in those days. And yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, we saw that was our, our first song that we wrote together was called Don't Wait and actually that made it onto the LP. And mm. So that's really cool. And it's really sweet actually, because the guy that helped us co-produce it, um, Max Schrager from The Shacks, he's fantastic. Such a young guy, but so talented and just has a really great ear and super fast and just understands everything he took some of our tracks and like added all this beautiful production that really helped finish the songs. And he was really moved by that song. And I think it, the fact that it could speak to young men was really great for us. We were just like, okay, that's, that's affirmation that the first song that came out of us was something that people resonate with. Yeah, I think that's what some good songwriting should be anyway, shouldn't it? Like touching people's little souls. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and if you can get them up and grooving and on the dance floor, like that is definitely, say she she's goal is like we just want to entertain people and you want to keep it like all the spirit on the dance floor and just bring it into your bedroom too and yeah. there are definitely songs on the record that are meant to be listened on vinyl and it's more of a listening experience and then like the live show definitely has way more upbeat stuff and so yeah i'm excited to see how the project can grow and how people receive us and just keep playing and hopefully we can get on the road soon. And, yeah, you know, we just want, we just want to be out there performing. That is our spirit. Like Naya, she's been in car groups since she was 13 years old in mm-hmm. Maryland, <laughs> you know, where she grew up. And that is like, you see all these old bits of videos and footage from each other's life, watching each other when we were little girls and her mom shared some videos of her doing these performances. And she was like at school and just incredible, huge, huge theatrical productions at such a young age you know I did like Pirates of Penzance and sang Mabel and probably the first Indian girl to do Mabel wow. <laughs> <laughs> in North London anyway um and Sabrina the same thing you know she's been singing since she was little her dad like showed us all these amazing home videos and I just think yep it was happening from day one and it's like now is the first time where we've got an opportunity hopefully to be out there on the road and 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 bringing love and you know spreading some joy and especially after the last couple of years, we all need a bit of a party, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we do. At what point did you bring Naya over and say, we need to make this a trio? Um, she joined a couple of years later. So we were just 
always hoping that she would join. I've always wanted to sing with Naya my whole life, whole life, but my, since I've met her. Yeah. In a way, my whole life, I've been waiting for her. <laughs> and, and <laughs> but for sure, um, you know, she was working with me in, in a previous project, as mm-hmm. I mentioned. And, you know, so it, it was just a case of like, we, we had a couple of backing singers working with us, you know, because we love the three-part harmonies. We've always loved the three-part harmonies, both of us. Even Sab's always sang with three harmonies, you know, for years. She was kind of doing backing singing and stuff and just so good. She's so fast at hearing a harmony. Mm-hmm. And there's, and the way that we write songs, you know, like I said, we're all there. It's collaborative. Like, I can write a song, and that's me writing a song. Sab can write a song, and I can write a song. And that's them writing a song, and that has a, a flavour. But when the three of us are together... We come from such different ideas, that melting thing, that melting pot, that's say she, she, that's the fourth voice in a way, you know? Yeah. And so we try to get together as much as possible, all three of us with different writers and, and make it happen and write on the spot, come with all the preparation and the ideas and the reference tracks, be able to guide the musicians and kind of have an idea of what we want to do. So we're all on the same page when we're talking to them and guiding them. Yeah, and it's really empowering being the women who are able to lead things because so often, I feel like you know just just by nature of who we work with, we've been so lucky because for me, Leon has been so encouraging. I remember him saying like, "I think you'd be really good at production," and just thinking like, "Wow, like if he thinks that, maybe I should believe in myself too." Yeah, you know. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> it's Sabrina, by the way. Oh, hi, Sabrina. <laughs> hey, hello. um yeah so yeah we've just been so lucky that we've had such encouraging people in our lives that we worked with we all got great mentors and and the men have been super supportive of us I've never had a female producer but I would love to see more female producers out there and I, I actually recently asked a good friend of ours if she would consider producing some a track for us so She's an awesome DJ, an amazing record collector, oh, cool. and just so wonderful and has such a keen ear. So I'll definitely uh, loop back and keep you posted if, if yeah, that happens. So. Please do. Well, you look like the three of you are just having the time of your lives uh, in your social media <laughs> posts. I want to talk about the recording process in a minute, but I can't wait any longer. I got to play this next song. It's the first single from your upcoming debut album, which is due the summer of 2022. The track is called Forget Me Not. You talked a little bit about some some of the vocal things that went on this song. How did this song come together and what should we be listening for? So the song is actually um, an ode to and, and a piece of work that's an homage to the Gorilla Girls, who were this awesome, you know, iconic feminist punk movement of women who were fighting back against misogyny and, and racial discrimination um, and sexual discrimination in, in in the art world. So like visual artists, you know, and they were a bunch of painters and sculptors and they were just so cool and really like took these gorilla masks and used anonymity as their tool for power mm. um, and basically went out and just like made a statement, made these incredible posters that still exist today and so we just got together, the three of us girls, and recently interviewed one of the original Gorilla Girls. And her name, she takes the alias, of course, of Alice Neal. So they all take aliases from 
from dead painters, from women who were deceased and um, whose artworks never got appreciated until posthumously. Mm. So this was like one of the things, the key things that they wanted to make a statement about. And we were just so inspired, you know, when we got together to write this song, Me Too movement was really kicking off and we were feeling really empowered and we felt like this is, this is a moment that we have to grasp on to and how can we do that what can we do to help propel this movement and not let it just be like something that bubbles up and and faces again quickly and subsides and how do we like sustain the momentum of the movement and of course like you know you always have to look to past female movements and realize that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and also you're not mm. the first to kind of try to do something so what right. lessons can we take from the past and who were the women in new york city that were doing stuff that we respect and we had developed a friendship with one of the gorilla girls who was one of the original seven founding members That's cool. and she's just we are so inspired by her not only as a mother but she has these incredible stories that like um <laughs> you know everything from the kind of galleries that they would and I can't really say whose were artworks that they would try to like run in and make statements in during their shows um to like her personal stories of being asked to be the tambourine girl for talking heads and mm. all kinds of crazy things and just like what it was like back in the 80s and um late 80s and 90s running around downtown culture and um hanging out with all the other punks and the hip hop heads and, you know, the musicians and the artists. It was like this, like everyone from Arthur Russell and Liquid Liquid and just incredible dancers and all kinds of culture. And of course, like, you know, they really made a massive impact on, on the scene. Mm. And so, yeah, this song, Forget Me Not, was the idea was like really that we were like, using their voice as if the women were speaking to us from the past and saying, forget me not, mm. don't forget all these lessons and take, take some of what we learn and, and, and go and move forward with that. And so it was like a generational conversation or something. Yeah. But yeah. We recorded this out in LA with Sergio Rios and some of the guys who play in, in Organ. Um, and it was just awesome. You know, we had a beautiful day with those guys and like, they're so cool. <laughs> they're like really into sound systems too <laughs> like one of them had just bought some of the david mancuso's loft party like sound system pieces of speakers wow. and gear and stuff so i was just like yeah man i love the loft <laughs> <laughs> it was like an amazing amazing experience in my life being able to go to the loft parties uh getting getting to be a part of that lovely beautiful moment and scene in new york for sure and um so it was cool to to hang out with those guys out in la and and um, yeah, we all got together and we just were like playing them all of our references and our ideas. And these are the kind of influences and this is like what we think. And we had already discussed that little riff with each other. And, and those lyrics, honestly, like that song just fell out of all of us hmm. and very little change from the, from the moment that it was written. And that we, we tend to write like that. We, we will go back and change lyrics, but on the whole, most of, most of the time it's just like, it takes a whole day for us to write because we'll go we're like, okay, hang on. That sounds good. Let's run to the corner and let's just brainstorm. And what does this mean? And there's three of us with three different ideas. So things can bubble up really quickly and we're feeding off these, uh, each other's creative energy. And, and you can hear the frantic mania in, in the song in a way <laughs> like you can hear that, like 
bubbling energy i hope anyway i don't know if people see that or not yeah <laughs> but yeah it was it was a glorious day in the studio and that that studio sergio's studio killian sound is amazing it's like full to the brim with old gear and <laughs> hate machines and like old vintage mics spinning out your ears and wow. you know the 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 vocal we cut the track that day and then we redid the vocals because they were super blown out but the blown out quality we love that because we were like oh it sounds so lo-fi and so cool like we're never going to be able to recreate this demo (laughs) (laughs) but we were so lucky that we we ended up actually cutting recutting the lyrics at our friend's studio and it's called shag city down in crown heights our massive kudos to our boys mike and matt um they're awesome and and Mikey plays the keys for us Mike Saracen he plays the keys for us as well for Say She She so yeah and he plays the flute on Forget Me Not he's an amazing flautist and he plays the sax he's a multi-instrumentalist yeah so we recorded down in their little basement and um it was just it's just so much fun we we do a lot of our rehearsing down there too and yeah we can always do all of our our vocals and ad-libs and tracks down there so yeah (laughs) well I, I I can't wait to play this. Let's let's give it a listen. Check out "Forget Me Not" by Say She She.
Today's guest is Pia Malik. And now that we've heard the fantastic first single, you got to tell me, what does the rest of the record sound like? (laughs) What are are we going to hear on these other tracks? Well, we have our next single, Blow My Mind, that will be out on March the 22nd, so not long to go now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I hope that you guys will hear the like extension of what you the first single, obviously, Forget Me Not, and that's the B-side, Blow My Mind. It's definitely a little bit slower and more in the pocket. We recorded that with uh, uh, our friends, Eraserhood Sound, at their studio in, in Philly, mm. And yeah, our guitar player, Matty, has um, this really cool sitar pedal. So it opens with this like warm, fuzzy sitar pedal. And um, it's quite sultry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope that the temperature is okay for people <laughs> that are feeling it, digging it. But we were having so much fun. And um, there's a kind of climax moment where I get to sing in Hindi too, which is really cool. Oh, cool. And the girls, of course, are just soaring. They're just so insane i love those two their voices and that the way they blend as well it's just like oh, unbelievable <laughs> to get to sing with them so yeah there's that's the next single and then the full-length lp will be out in the late summer in september so we're really excited about that and that is definitely more sits in like a more soulful element and uh, we have a couple of other 45s that will come out that have more like disco grooves and yeah, we're just, just more of the same, but definitely more soulful approach for for the full length LP and and then like a lot of extra 45s out for this album cycle. So we're excited. Nice. Are you guys gonna do colored vinyl for your your full length? Oh yeah, you know, we gotta have that pink vinyl. All right. <laughs> Come on. That's what I like <laughs> I'm to I'm not hear. ashamed to say it. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cold Mind's really good about doing the uh, the, the colored vinyl. Yeah. I've got a copy of Delvon Lamar's uh, uh, new record that came the out. Blue one, it's bright blue. Yeah. Oh yeah, baby, I love it. Yeah. No, yeah. honestly, like you know, we all collect records, and for us, like that was a big part of why we really wanted to be with Cold Mind because they get it, and we love all the design and the artwork, and like we just, yeah, we just love all the records that they've been putting out and so prolific, so many, you know, and it's cool. I just, I love, I don't know if you've seen, they've got these new cool little sleeves too now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 45s. So I'm yeah. excited to have those for our 45 as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's cool. Like the 45, forget me not and blow my mind. It's got some really like dope artwork and I'm excited to share that with the world. And yeah, it's all about the wax for us. So yeah, yeah 100%, please. Support your local record shop. Please go buy the 45 there. Yeah. <laughs> or, of course, you can do it on, on Coalmine store or, or our band camp, whichever you like. But yeah. I, I always encourage people to go down to the local record shop because it's just it's so fun being able to, like, support a local business but also be part of that community. And, you know, yeah. I definitely felt like a part of the record shop down in Red Hook that really brought so many of us friends and band members together. And uh, I was lucky. So many of Seishishi's band members I met through through records and collecting and being part of like the labels that care about records, like Big Crown and, and mm-hmm. Coal Mine and our new bass player Preet from the Frighteners. 
he's so awesome. I just like remember like listening to the frighteners and being like, oh, they're so awesome. And then like finding out they were Indian as well, like the two brothers are Indian, like what? <laughs> you know? Nice. But I know I never really met any other Indian musicians other than Robin from Banerjee, who I mentioned before, back home. Like it's just, yeah, it's really cool to see how many of us there are in New York making it happen. So yeah. <laughs> that was really cool that he now plays with us and um yeah all of those guys like our, our drummer we, we play with a couple of different drummers now because it just panned out that way but our friend Andy Bauer from Twin Show he's so amazing and awesome and, and Ben Borchers from the Shacks also a really good friend again through touring together and mm-hmm. um, through Big Crown and I made that connect and and Mike Saracen also has his solo stuff out on Coal Mine too uh, distributed through Coal Mine I should say but gotcha. yeah he's He's on his friend Billy's record label. So, yeah, it's it's cool. That's Dollar Records. That's what it is. <laughs> gotcha. Well, Pia, you've been so generous with your time today. Thanks so much for joining me on 40 Minutes of Funk. I, I really cannot wait to hear the rest of the record and, and see where you guys are going. Is there anything that we have not covered that uh, you want to mention before we tell people where to find you and, and, and listen to your music and all that? Um, well, firstly, I just want to say a massive thanks for having us. Like, it really has been so great. And I know we had a few technical hiccups the, the last time around. So I'm so glad we got to do this today. And thanks for all your energy and support. It's it's really cool. And I'm so excited about Seishishi's next single coming out and all the rest of the music. But yeah, just please check out all the other artists on the label too. And, yeah. um, you know, now more than ever, it's like time to just, if you can buy records and support the artists, either through their bank app or their labels um, websites, you know, it's just like, please buy vinyl and, and mm. support support by buying the records and don't just stream it all for free forever because streaming is a bit tricky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, spread the love and listen to the music, appreciate it and and reach out to, to all the people that your fans are because sometimes the sweet messages can keep you going and, you know, knowing that you've touched some second generation Indian guy who lives in Finland. I got a lovely message <laughs> yesterday and I just thought, it doesn't matter what's in my bank balance. This is like so worth it. <laughs> yeah. Just knowing that your fan messages or anything like that can really can really go a long way to helping keeping the spirits up of, of the musicians that you appreciate. I doesn't that, that doesn't sound too depressing, but yeah, <laughs> that's my no, sweet I- word. I think that's great advice. Where's the best place for listeners to go to uh, listen to your music and follow you online? Um, of course, they can go to any of the streaming suspects. We're up there. So, yeah. And then as soon as there are releases, you can buy it on the websites of the labels. All right. <laughs> and from our bank camp and, and, you know, hit us up on Instagram. There's usually a little link tree that has all the info in there, too. So, okay. yeah, for sure. Find us. Oh, and then um, you can watch the music video as well. Forget Me Not's music video, as I mentioned, which is an homage to, to the Gorilla Girls. And it was directed by Alyssa Bonney, who's a Londoner and um, also uh, happens to be a Maya sister. <laughs> so she did a really good deal for us, but she's an incredibly talented director. And the DP for that, Nathan Corbin, also an incredible talent and based here out in, in New York. And um part of Blazer Sound Collective. So yeah, please go on the YouTube and have a little listen 
and um, give it a like or drop a comment if you feel like the video did it for you. <laughs> and if you haven't got anything nice to say, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bite that tongue. Well, Pia, thanks so much again and best of luck. Please uh, give my very best uh, to Naya and uh, Sabrina and uh, hopefully we'll get to see you guys on the road at some point soon. Y'all take care. Thank and, you so uh, much. Best of they luck. send their love and thanks too. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you, Michael. Thanks yeah. so much. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of 40 Minutes of Funk. I want to thank Pia Malik for joining me today. Since we recorded this interview, Say She She dropped that second single from their forthcoming album, Prism. This week, in fact... The fantastic track is called Blow My Mind, so make sure you go check it out on Spotify or order the new 45 direct from Coal Mine Records or your local record store. Check out their music video for Forget Me Not on YouTube and keep up to date with all things Say She She on Instagram in particular at Say She She. If you'd like to help support the 40 Minutes of Funk podcast, please look for me on Patreon.com or buymeacoffee.com today and make a small gift online. Thanks in advance. If you'd like to promote your business with affordable advertising geared at funk-loving listeners, please drop me a line at 40minutesoffunk at gmail.com and please help spread the word about 40 Minutes of Funk by sharing links to episodes and social media with your friends and fellow Funketeers. I really appreciate it. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 40 Minutes of Funk or online at 40minutesoffunk.com using the numbers 4 and 0. Do me a solid. Please rate and leave feedback for this podcast wherever you listen so others can find it easier. You can also hear my weekly instrumental funk radio show Friday nights at 9 p.m. Central online at kgou.org. It's called Tonic, the Funky Groove Show, and it's on social media at Funky Groove Show. This show's intro, outro, and advertising music is written and copyrighted by me and performed by an amazing lineup of musicians. More info on the 40 Minutes of Funk website. Remember, funk music is all about being on the one. Simply put, treat everyone equally and be kind to others, especially those who are different from you. Be well, friends, and thanks again.